All right, you're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast, where we discuss advanced strategies, tactics, and tips for actually selling your music. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com, and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. All right, this is John Ojaka, and uh, today we've got a really special guest. His name is Sean Mize. He happens to be the number two article marketer in the world uh, by volume, and he happens to be one of just a small handful of guys from, uh, that, that I learned for on my way up as a marketer. He's agreed to come on the show and talk to you guys about how you can build long-term search engine traffic to promote your music. Um, it's a real honor to have him on the call. Sean, uh, how are you doing today? Well, I'm good, John. Thanks for what an excellent introduction. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me here. And and I'm actually I'm excited about this. I don't do a lot of these types of interviews. You know, most of what I'll probably share today, I normally reserve for my highest level coaching clients, and and uh, but I enjoy talking about it. So I think I'm going to have a lot of fun as well as share some uh, some tips and techniques for for uh, your clients. Very cool, very cool. Well, um, why don't you start off by just kind of giving folks some background on yourself and what it is you do and, uh, you know, your your story in a nutshell. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, wow, just going back uh, five years, five and a half years now, um, you know, in, in, in my case, I was looking for an opportunity to, you know, be able to have a full-time business that operated online versus, you know, having to have something that was offline where I kind of had to physically be there, whether it was nine to five or, or running a shop or, or, or something like that. And uh, so, you know, my background in life kind of being in uh, a cross between economics and sales I said, you know, wow, how, what can I do or what can I uh, learn how to do to really be able to help people uh, online and be able to do all of that online? And, and so it kind of began a journey that uh, probably all told just getting started, the six to nine month journey. And what happened was in the process, I, the, the very first thing that was so important in building an online business was learning how to drive the traffic. Sure. And uh, funny that we should be talking about that today because, I mean, that was really the very first thing that I had to begin to master. And so in the process of doing that, um, I, I've learned a lot about, you know, about driving traffic. And, and uh, you know, long story short, in the first uh, six months after I officially lost the business, I was able to go uh, full-time online and uh, pretty much been uh, – driving traffic and coaching people to either drive traffic or what we usually think of once the traffic's there as being more important, and that is converting that traffic into buyers and long-term clients and that, that type of thing. And uh, that's that's pretty much been kind of my full-time gig for the last five, five and a half years. And, and I'll tell you, one of, the, one of the things that's most fun for me, John, with that experience is, you know, getting an email or a phone call that says, to me, you know, wow, you've really been a part of uh, my success. So somebody says that to me, you've really been a part of, of my success, being able to get myself to a full-time income. And, and uh, you know, one of the things you, you and I had talked about, about today was, you know, this idea that, that uh, traffic holds a lot of people back from being able to make, whether it's a full-time income or a part-time income or, you know, just grease the wheels or whatever the case is from being able to make that happen. They may have all the other pieces in place, but if they don't have traffic, they may not have anything. So 
Um, should we just kind of jump into traffic now? Well, yeah, I mean, I'll give a little background just because there's a huge sort of array of of people listening to this. Um, Some are familiar with some of the terms that we're going to be using and some are not. Um, uh, We we referenced article marketing a a moment ago. That was something that at least when I first came uh, or came across Sean, uh, that was something that you know he really was, and I believe still is um, the expert out there in the world of art, article marketing. As as uh, he said, he's the number two mark, uh, article marketer by volume in the world. You were number one for quite a long time. Well, what's your tell folks your volume just for a sec? Well, how many articles have you now published to Easy and Articles? Uh, my team and I have published, I don't even know the exact number. I want to say we just broke 25,000 a few <laughs> days ago. It's 25,000 articles on the internet. And, and you've only, you said you've only been basically working full time for about five years on the internet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of volume. That's a lot, a lot of volume. But, um, but some, so anyone who's purchased music marketing manifesto, they know what article marketing is. Um, anyone who's a member of the insider circle knows what article marketing is. Many people don't even know what, 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 that concept is. They don't know anything about it. Um, why don't you, well, I, it's, we're kind of caught between two different sort of talking points because I, I know that you do a lot more general strategy and content marketing and coaching these days. But, um, but uh, you know, I guess why don't we just break down the process of how traffic works? Because you're right, that is that is the sticking point, I think, for people just getting started. And I think an important thing you touched on was that it took you six six to nine months or so, you said, before you were sort of working at this yeah. full time? Because I know a lot of people, they do this, and musicians in particular, you know, I'm a musician, so no offense, guys, but they're, uh, you know, they're probably the most resistant people on the planet when it comes to marketing. There's a small minority of, of musicians who really dig this stuff because it, it is empowering, and that's why I'm so attracted to it, is we spend our entire lives relying on other companies, managers, booking agents, record labels, and usually it's a disappointing experience because they're just not as invested in, in the outcome as, as we are. You know, a record label obviously has hundreds of artists. A manager usually has uh, dozens of artists, and booking agents also have hundreds, and and, and if one artist fails, it really, you know, it's not going to change the uh, the uh, the life of the individual, you know, that manager or that A&R rep or, or whoever we're talking about. You know, but as a musician, uh, you know, your career is everything. If you fail, your life path is completely different. And um, with with all that said, you know, again, going back to the fact that I think musicians are naturally resistant to marketing when they get out and they do this stuff and it doesn't work right away i see a lot of people getting discouraged and they're just kind of moving moving on and going back to the old strategies and traditionally all musicians are are, are basically doing or for the most part the average musicians getting out there playing shows uh you know if you're really proactive maybe you're hiring a publicist which can cost you thousands of dollars a month and uh, maybe you're taking some ads out in the back of magazines, but there's very, very rarely, and again, this is slowly changing, but um, very, very rarely a cohesive marketing strategy in place. And that's odd to me because this stuff has been around for well over 100 years. The fundamentals of what we call direct response marketing has been around for you know over 100 years. It goes back to Montgomery Ward. And, and musicians, at least until very, very, very recently, are just not applying this stuff. Um, but as so we don't get too far off course, that all starts with traffic, you know, uh, while, while we're often trying to impress upon people that copywriting and actual marketing is the most important skill. And I, I do think it is none of that matters if you can't get eyeballs 
on what you're doing or uh, you know if you can't get people to your site to ch check out your music and hear what it is you have to offer so that's where you come in and I, I think you can really help because you've been you know I, I've been a customer and subscriber of yours for years now I follow what you're doing and and you have a really I think more than than most of the sort of so-called internet marketing gurus out there you have a really simple and uh, I, I think elegant process you know there you're not one of these guys who's changing strategies every two months just so you can sell an, another course you know you, you you're pretty straightforward pretty simple and having watched you you've been you've been really consistent um you know you expand i see that happening but your model is pretty much the same and has been for five years and it's really uh evergreen and i think that's nice so why, why don't you that was a really long-winded but why don't you uh tell tell folks how traffic works and how they can use some of your strategies to get uh some people over to their their site Excellent. Well, let's kind of jump into it. So it's just a kind of a quick background primer, and I, I thought I would I would give this, you know, because everybody kind of comes into traffic at a different point. And I'll tell you one thought before I get into it. One of the things that I see that happens, and I see it with my clients, you probably see it with with people that you know, with your clients. Um, you know, I've, I've experienced this before. Perhaps you've experienced this before. You know, we're all looking for a little bit more traffic, and you know, it, it seems like every single month there somebody comes out with some type of new traffic source or some new way to get traffic off of the internet. And it's really tempting, and I've done it before. I've kind of jumped in and said, okay, I'm going to drive traffic with this new method. And so what happens a lot of times is create visitors to a new method. What happens a lot of times when we do that is we do get traffic for a month or two and maybe begin to get profitable. What, what also happens simultaneously is maybe a hundred thousand, maybe a thousand or ten thousand or a hundred thousand other people begin to drive traffic exactly the same way at the same time, and then all of a sudden it becomes a fad and it, it just explodes and then it burns up. And 90 days later, you can't get traffic that way anymore. And because of the fact that a lot of times you're getting this traffic, you begin to grow your business, you begin to hire helpers and assistants, and, and you begin to invest more in long-term advertising. And then when that traffic source falls apart, when the traffic falls apart, the sales fall apart, and now you're, you're literally upside down in the business. And so what I want to do is just kind of do a quick primer on traffic, then talk about, hey, now that we kind of know where we're at with this, what can we do to create long-term evergreen traffic? And when I'm talking about evergreen traffic, you know, when I think about the evergreen, I'm thinking about an evergreen tree. You know, that tree lasts season after season, year after year. And anything that I do online, like you were mentioning earlier, I, I haven't changed what I do very much at all from, from almost the very beginning. Now, obviously, I've evolved and I've grown, but I haven't really changed the basic model. And I, part of that is just my core that says I want to build something that's going to last year after year after year without me having to, to reinvent it. So I like to look at traffic instead of being a hundred different types of ways that you could get, get traffic. So, you know, sometimes people might say, well, we can get traffic from search engines or we can get traffic from social media or we can get traffic from our friends or, you know, we can buy traffic on a search engine or we can, we can buy traffic from a magazine or we can buy direct mail buyers. You know, we could probably, if we were to brainstorm, we could probably come up with a hundred sources of traffic. And, you know, if we spent 24 hours and brought 10 other people in, we might even be able to come up with a thousand different sources of traffic. But I like to think of traffic is all traffic falls into three categories, three primary categories. One of those categories is that it comes to you 
um, what we kind of in the industry call it naturally. It comes to us naturally through the search engines. So the, the, the primary place where almost every person who enters the Internet to find out about anything, so maybe they're looking for jazz music or they're looking for rock music or country music or whatever the case is, the, the, the interface between them and the music is normally something along the lines of a search engine. So it may not be actually a search engine. It could be a search bar on a social media site. It could be a search function that's built into their computer. All in all, almost everybody goes through some type of a search function to be able to get connected with whatever it is. I mean, even if we know that you're playing three nights from now, but we don't know where, you know, we may go to a search engine on our smartphone to be able to say, hey, where's John playing in three nights? Sure. And so that, to me, that's one source of traffic is this traffic that's just naturally and organically occurring. It's floating around out there, and the search engines codify it for us. But the second source of traffic is very, very similar to that. And in fact, if we really, really wanted to simplify things, we could almost slide this source of traffic into what I just shared with you about natural organic traffic. But I'm going to separate it because I believe there's a fair bit of a difference. And this is personal referral type of traffic. And, and so just to illustrate for everyone, this personal referral type of traffic, if it were to happen offline, then, you know, maybe somebody likes to listen to jazz music and they go to a jazz concert on Friday night and they meet somebody at the concert and, uh, you know, they just happen to say, hey, I really like this style of music. Never heard this person before. The person next to them says, well, hey, have you heard of, heard of so-and-so? Boy, they, they have very similar sound. And you say, well, no. And they say, okay, well, here's their name. And they're actually playing next Friday night here. You want to come back. And, and so that's, that, is, that would be referral traffic that's offline. Well, we see the same thing online where, you know, let's just say that, uh, let's say I'm a musician, I'm not, but let's just say that uh, I'm a musician and uh, I, I know that a buddy of mine who is also a musician, and I don't have any buddy friends that are musicians, but just hypothetical here, sure. but a buddy friend of mine is a musician and uh, I, I know that his styles are similar to mine and I'm not playing next weekend, so maybe I send an email out to everybody I know that says, uh, hey, I'm not playing this next weekend. You know, we're going to kind of take a little bit of a vacation. My voice needs a break. But my buddy, who has very similar music to me, he's playing on Friday night at such and such a place. And uh, I trust you'll have a, I believe you'll have a really good time if you go check him out. And so online, that would be referral traffic. And so we might see that with the social media sites. We might see that. So somebody, you know, goes to a concert and uh, loves it and posts on their social media site. They say, wow, just heard so-and-so in concert. It was great. You should go see him on Friday night. And so we can kind of go on and on with examples. But for me, that is a separate source of traffic. There's referral traffic, so it's just real humanized referral traffic. Sure, sure. The third source of traffic is what we call paid traffic. And paid traffic, the way I like to look at paid traffic, you know, John, you mentioned earlier that I kind of tend to simplify things, and, well, I really do. I look at paid traffic as simply being a paid version of one of the other two sources of traffic. Okay, so, it, you know, if we, sometimes we look at what's called uh, pay-per-click traffic. So you, you go online and you say, hey, I'm willing to pay, let's say, $1 for every person that comes to my website. And you go to a search engine and you say, hey, anybody that's looking for jazz music, then... Um, 
you know, if, if you'll just sign them to my website, you can charge me a dollar for each one of the time people come over there. And so we call that pay-per-click. In reality, in my opinion, all, all that is is a paid version of the same natural organic traffic. The only difference is because we're paying for it, the search engines are willing to kind of boost us to the top in in in, in you can't give us the fast track. So we're paying for VIP treatment so that we can just get more people to come to our website. So let's say we, we do uh, paid, we do, uh, paid uh, advertising on, if we think of it offline, we can have a magazine. Or if we think about a website as being an online magazine and, you know, we pay a website so much money to be the featured artist on the front page of their website for 10 days, okay, all we're, in my opinion, all we're really doing is we, we, we are paying for some level of advanced or VIP treatment in that natural and organic world. Right. Same exact thing with referral marketing. So we have referral marketing where we can also pay someone to send out an email to say 100,000 people you know, that like jazz music, for example. We can pay someone some price to send an email out to all of those people. It works very similar to referral marketing, except we're paying to get kind of a fast track. So instead of building our own list of 100,000 people, we're leveraging someone else's. And, and so when I look at traffic, I look at these three categories. And so obviously, if the easy, easy, easy way to get traffic and to not have to think about it if we have a nice budget is to just say, okay, you know, I have a budget of this much money and I'm just going to hire some ad manager and I'm just going to say, hey, just spend my money the best way that you think and drive me as much traffic as possible and hey, hopefully we'll have enough people show up for the concerts that, that it'll make sense. And that, that's the easiest way. And obviously it's the most expensive way, but it's the least time, time intensive way. The one thing that, that I, I usually would, will, will pull away from paid traffic especially for people that are kind of getting started, even if they have a budget, is to say that with paid traffic, the quality of that traffic is usually not as strong as if it's a genuine referral or if it's genuinely naturally and organically occurred. And, and there's a couple of different reasons. Actually, there's a lot of different reasons, and some of these are psychological. But if we just went to one of them, and that's the money element, as soon as we offer somebody money, to send people our way, the temptation on the sender is always to find ways to kind of pad the amount of people that come through. Okay, so maybe if I'm a jazz musician, what I really want is people that want to go to jazz concerts. But, and I'm not saying that everybody does this, but I think as humans, we all have a tendency to push the window. And, you know, just depending on how honest and ethical we are, it's how far do we push the window. And, and the, the sender may push the window to a different level than the person that's paying. And, and it may feel, to both of them, it feels like it's actually totally honest, but there's a gap. And so what happens is the person that's sending the emails says, well, you know, I mean, some country people like jazz music, so it would actually be good for my client if I sent him some country people, okay? But in reality, it's not necessarily good for the client because now the client's paying the same amount of money for what is, frankly, it's inferior traffic. And that's just, that's one scenario, and that's actually, I'm kind of highlighting a fraudulent type of scenario. But that's not, it doesn't even have to be fraudulent. There's many, many different ways that when you pay for traffic, the quality of that traffic tends to go down. Sure, sure. Now, 
I, I just a segue there because I, I you know, you again, we don't we don't need to spend too much time on fraudulent traffic because it's not really going to come up for most. But that just totally opened up. I've never even occurred to me that it could be happening because I pay for quite a bit of traffic. And uh, it just suddenly dawned on me how easy it would be for someone with a small list to go and buy some garbage traffic source from Fiverr and pat it and send you, you know, what looks like 2,000 visitors. And you'll see it converting because 100 of them would be real and just think that your offer is not converting well. But when in reality, the, the traffic could be mixed, uh, a mix of natural and fraudulent traffic. Just never even occurred to me that people could be doing that. Well, sorry. <laughs> Well, it has actually has happened to me before, and uh, only one instance that I can remember off the top of my head that it, that I totally proved it. Um, but but I believe that, that that type of thing is one of the reasons why the conversion rates on many different similarly priced traffic sources tend to be so very different. And again, I believe it's only one of the reasons. I mean, obviously there has to be a market to message match. And if just because you're paying a dollar a click or whatever, doesn't mean that that match is there. Sure. Um, but I, I believe there's a lot of that that goes on. I mean, even if we think about it, again, we don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but even if we think about just plain old search engine, pay-per-click traffic, you know, we know, we don't know what the number is. We don't know if it's a half a percent or if it's 30 percent. Okay, you know, the search engines would love to say it's a half a percent, and, you know, the lobbyists would love to say it's 50 percent. There's some level of fraud that occurs with pay-per-click traffic just simply because, you know, anybody that is getting paid to be able to push that traffic, you know, there, there's, there is a, and I'm not talking about search engine, the search engine, and if they, they, they source out any of that, and the source, search engines tend to source out a lot of that traffic, the, all of the individuals that they source it out to, you know, it, there's always that temptation. And we're not saying that everybody does it. We're not saying that most people do it. But it is, it, there is an inherent part of it. And, and, again, we don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this. But, you know, I, I, want to, I do want to say this because I don't, I don't want to get anybody getting afraid. The bottom line is if you drive enough traffic, then the percentage of problem traffic is so small, it's not worth worrying about. But I simply wanted to show all of this as one reason why, as beginners, if somebody's starting out, they don't want to rely on paid traffic. So sure. if we move to, let's say, referral traffic, we move to referral traffic. Referral traffic is very difficult to just snap our fingers and make it happen on demand. Okay, so if we happen to be in the industry and we happen to be good friends with a hundred other musicians who have people that have fans that are very similar to our fans, well then it would be a no brainer just give them all a personal phone call and say, Hey, can you uh, can you start announcing me at your concerts and you know, can you send emails on my behalf? But in reality, genuine referral traffic is very, very difficult to to just come by at the snap of a finger. And when we're starting our business, we, we want things at a snap of a finger. Sure. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those things when we're first starting out, we really, really, really need all that referral traffic and it's very hard to get it. We've been in business for 10 years. We don't need it anymore. And now everybody's willing to refer us because, well, maybe now we're famous. Sure. So, so for those reasons, I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of paid traffic initially. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, the biggest fan, I'm a great fan of referral traffic, but in terms of it actually being something that can sustain somebody, well, that's pretty rare. So what that does is that leaves us with this natural and organic type of traffic out there. 
And this includes, like I said before, it includes all the search engine traffic. It includes all the social media traffic. So all the social media sites out there, you know, any way that you might be able to get traffic from social media without paying for it. So all of those different ways kind of all fall under the whole natural or organic. And the way that natural or organic traffic works, any questions so far, John? I, I know that... Um, no, no. No, I, I'm totally tracking with you. I, I'm loving it. Okay, excellent. So if we kind of get into that organic traffic, and, you know, let's just say that, that we were to go to a search engine and just kind of type in jazz musicians. You know, I haven't done it, so I don't know. But, I mean, my guess is there'd be maybe 3 million or 6 million search results. And, and the, the truth of the matter is most people, if you're like me, you probably don't search more than the first page. In fact, if you're like me, you probably don't search more than maybe the top four or five listings before you say, ah, uh, maybe I typed in the wrong kind of what I'm looking for. What I really need to type in is jazz musicians in LA, you know, and, and then you type that in and you're like, Oh wow, there's still too many. Okay. So what about my suburb? Oh, okay. And you know, jazz musicians in Burbank, if that's a suburb and, um, you know, on Friday night, you know, now you get, you know, three concerts and you're really kind of zoning in, you know? So the question is, you know, if you're one of 6 million people or 6 million jazz musicians that, you know, that, 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 that want to be seen and you want to be seen in such a place where when somebody looks for a jazz musician, you're coming up early, you know, what can you do to, to spur that on and to influence that process? And, and, and the same thing with social media, you know, so, you know, a lot of times we think, okay, well, you know, what can we do to influence, uh, you know, influence what's going on in social media? You know, do we need more friends? Do we need more accounts? Do we need more people to like us? Do we need more people to plus us? You know, do we need all that? And, you know, what happens is a lot of times it's really easy for us to look at a celebrity and say, okay, well, they have 3 million likes or friends. You know, they have 500,000, um, you know, pluses. And, you know, those people, they, they have all these, these likes and friends and pluses, and, and they're also famous. And so it's really easy for us to fall into this trap of saying, okay, if I get a bunch of people to like me, then I'll, I will also get as much traffic. And, and so what happens, we'll start with social media first, and then I'll move to, to search engines and kind of where the disconnect happens. And then if it's okay with you, John, I'll get into the meat of all of this because we're still kind of setting things up on exactly how somebody can do it. How does that sound? That, that sounds great. One thing I just, before I forget to mention it, just pointing out the difference between uh, uh, most of my subscribers, certainly the Music Marketing Manifesto members are, are familiar with the term JV or joint venture traffic. Some of the general subscribers may not be, but um, it's basically, you know, uh, what, what we uh, most of us internet marketers refer to as uh, you know referral tr uh, JV traffic is the same thing basically as referral traffic but uh, but I, I run I get a lot of JV traffic and I also do uh, PPC and I get a conversion rate of about uh, 20 to 25 percent on average from PPC uh, on my squeeze page whereas with JV traffic I've seen as high as literally 90 percent conversion rates you know that's that's higher than average but I'd say average is around 55 60 percent so yes I definitely can vouch for what you're saying uh, in terms of the the value of that sort of non-paid traffic versus a 
uh, pay traffic. And I don't ne necessarily think that that difference in my case is because of fraud. It's just because of the endorsement that you're essentially getting once someone has read some content and then clicked through, uh, or you know, whether it's from social media or an email blast, that's just so much more powerful than someone who clicks on an ad because of a moment of curiosity and then uh, decides that after all, they're not interested and clicks back. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, John, you know what's more interesting is if you were to track the subscribers that came in, okay, so if you, if, even if you just said, hey, we're going to do apples to apples and say, hey, we got 100 subscribers from referrals and we got 100 subscribers from pay-per-click, you know, not counting the fact that there was a difference in the, the actual squeeze page conversion rate, you know, an opt-in conversion rate, if you were to track those subscribers for 90 days and look at what they invest with you, you, what you would probably find is an exponential difference. And the, the people that are referred to you, the trust that you are inheriting the trust from whoever it is that referred you. And so not only are you influencing your, your squeeze page conversion rate, you're actually in, you, you, you should see that your open rates in your entire campaign are higher if you were split testing it. You would find that your click-through rates are higher on the referral traffic. You would find that if you have a sales page that's converting at, say, 3% on the pay-per-click subscribers, you probably would find 9 to 12% conversion rate on a sales page on if you were just sending referral traffic to it. And, and unless you split, unless you split those two up, it's very hard to see that. So a lot of times we see a sales page that converts at 4%. Well, it's not really converting at 4%. It's really converting at 1 plus 7%. So let's say half the traffic's from pay-per-click converting at 1%. Half the traffic is from um, from referrals, and it's converting at 7%. Then you know that page is actually it almost has a dual personality. For some people, it converts at 1%. For some people, it converts at 7%. But if you're not splitting both of those up to see that, then what you're just seeing is that 4%. Sure. So it's, it's huge, huge, huge on the back end. And then even after the 90 days, if you take somebody that's a referral that bought from you once, then the conversion rate of them getting into something long-term, okay, let's say, you know, if you're a musician signing up for a long-term membership or long-term buying much music or long-term flying to see you in a different city instead of just coming to the backyard, once again, with referral traffic, because you created that trust at a very different level at the very beginning, your long-term rates are a lot higher as well. Certainly, yeah. I'm kind of sloppy with, with tracking. I do monitor everything. I, I certainly track conversion rates on the squeeze pages. In terms of sales, I tend to just sort of spot check and just keep a general eye on it to figure, you know, and then sort of do the math from there, but, uh, you know, exponentially figure out how I'm converting. But it, I definitely see see the same thing. I see my, my uh, sales rates being much, much higher from uh, endorsement traffic as opposed to paid traffic. Paid traffic, I might see pretty much along the lines of what you're, you're talking about, something like four or five percent, whereas uh, I'll, I'll see something I've seen as high as 14 percent from endorsement traffic from JV traffic. And that's that's just like almost unheard of. And I'm talking against the entire uh, list, the entire subscriber base, not just the people who clicked on the offer. So really, really strikingly higher conversion rates from um, traffic that has some experience, some relationship with who you are before they actually click over to your offer. Um, 
but you know, but before we, uh, and just just because I get asked this every time, most of the folks listening are going to know what we're talking about. But for anyone who doesn't, conversion rate just simply means the percentage of people who actually take the action that you want them to take. That could be. Uh, uh, signing up for a free track via your squeeze page, or that could be purchasing, but we've been throwing that term around a lot, and not everyone is 100% familiar with it. So that's what a conversion rate is. But um, why don't we um, get back to where, where you were taking us before I veered us off course, and um, you, you were going to start with social media? Excellent. So, it, it, you know, in social media, let's just say that, that, you know, we say, well, you know, wow, in order for me to be to, to get more traffic to social media – you know, I need to have more friends in my social accounts or I need to get more people to like me. And so it's, it's really dangerous when, when we make that connection. It's a natural connection that we just make mentally. But what it's really, really, really dangerous is because now we say, okay, well, how can I get more friends and more likes? And so a lot of times we will begin to buy campaigns that will just send people to our Facebook account or to a, a LinkedIn account or to, you know, some, maybe some of the social media sites that are in the music industry. And when, what happens is right away, we have a boost in traffic. And what happens is because we have a boost and there's some psychological things that happen sometimes. So we have this boost in traffic and all of, let's say we're going to play in a concert next Friday night in a particular town and all the people in the town, because you're excited, you're acting more excited and there's more people coming in on the Facebook account. So there's, there's more excitement going on. And just because of that initial burst of excitement, maybe you end up with another 10% of people that show up at the concert. And what, what happens is, in reality, the extra 10% probably had nothing to do with the extra Facebook likes. It really had to do with the fact that you became more excited as a result. Okay, and that would all be fine and well if, if as humans we could keep that excitement up forever, but we can't. Sure. It's just human nature. After a few weeks, that excitement level goes down. And so what happens is because, because traffic at that next concert is up by 10%, we invested so much money to make this happen, we say, wow, imagine if I'd have done 10 times that, I'd have had twice as many. I'd go book a venue that's twice as big next time around. I spent 10 times as much on, uh, on social media traffic. And by that time, that curve starting to, to, to flatten out, and we end up losing money on the entire proposition. I could go on and on and on with different scenarios of this occurring on the social media side. But I, where I want to go now is to kind of think about the, the search engine side, because this is, this is where... We really hear all the time, we hear, I mean, it's, I think it's hard to go a day without getting an email that says, you know, if you open me, I'll show you how to get a first page ranking in Google. I will show you how to get a first page ranking in MSN or Yahoo. And what, what happens is, with that, is once again, when we, when we find ways to manipulate those rankings, and I'll get into a little bit more detail in just a second. I just want to kind of, kind of throw this out there first. Just make the statement. When we find ways to manipulate those rankings outside of the policies and the intent of whatever the search engine is, those manipulations are only short-term. 
the problem is we don't know how short-term it's going to be. We don't know if it's going to be 15 days, 30 days, or 90 days. So even if we kind of hedge ourselves, we say, okay, I'm going to wait 90 days and still see if it's still in effect before I begin to, you know, pour a lot more money into it. So what happens is sometimes that effect will last for 90 days. We've proven to ourselves that this works and that the search engines aren't going to find out. We're the only person on earth doing this except for, you know, the 10 other people who also bought this special program to learn how to kind of beat the search engines. Then we say, okay, well, it's time. It's our quarterly budget. We're going to shift our budget away from magazines, and we're going to shift it all to this program of the search engines. And we make our investment, and then that's when the bottom drops out. And we, we see this. I see this time and time and time again, not just with musicians, but all the way across the board, where people put too many of their eggs in one unstable basket. Sure. And so – I, what I thought I would do next is kind of give an illustration of what the search engines are really looking for, how they monitor that, and then we'll kind of get into how we can make – we can give the search engines what they want so that we, they will give us the traffic that we want. How does that sound, John? Great. If I can just interject just, just again because there's varying degrees of sort of experience with this stuff, but just to make it completely clear, the, the reason we want to do this is because by finding some keywords that are relevant to our music, for example, uh, let's say you do uh, rockabilly music or Americana or roots country, something like that, and you find, uh, you know, how did Johnny Cash die or um, Johnny Cash biography or uh, you know, you could come up with a thousand artists or you can use non-artist related terms, just anything that a fan of a particular type of music might be interested in, you can create relevant content to that interest and then within that content uh, present a call to action such as, well, if you like Johnny Cash you might also like so-and-so click here to get a free track. That That's the basic idea of why we'd want to rank uh, within the search engines for specific keywords so that we can generate traffic, very related and targeted traffic uh, and refer it ultimately over to our site where we can take the relationship to the next level. Just wanted to sort of make that 100% clear for anyone who, who hasn't done this before. Um, but go on. Excellent. So, I mean, that really kind of plays into where I was going to go next, which is, you know, kind of referring back to what I'd said earlier. Let's just say, like, you know, you said um, Americana music and, and uh, you know, let's say there's 3,000 web pages, but only kind of them show up on the first page. And realistically, if, if that's the kind of music that you play, if you're not on the first page, if you're not 10, you're not one of the 10 out of the 3 million web pages in the world or whatever that number is. It could be 10 out of 2 million, sure. whatever that number. Even if it was two, even if it was 10 out of a thousand, I mean, if you're not 10 out of a thousand, if you're not not one of the 990, you're probably not getting almost any traffic from the search engines for that particular search. I mean, obviously, there's other searches. And as we kind of talk a little bit more about this, we'll see there's lots of different ways to get traffic, not just the search engines, but the pattern works very similarly. And so the idea here is that we definitely want to do whatever it takes to be first. I mean, we, you know, it'd be just like if, you know, there's 10 concerts in town this weekend and, um, you know, there's a thousand people who are going to go to these concerts. We want at least 10% of them to show up for our concert. But if, if, you know, I mean, if we're a, a, a red blooded human, then we probably would like to have half of everybody in town come to ours and, you know, everybody else can split up the other people. And yeah. so that's what we really want with, with search engine traffic. And so if we kind of go back to a little bit of the history of the search engines, the, we, we, 
what the search engines want, what they really want to provide for anybody that searches, is they want to provide what they believe is to be the very best content for their searchers. What that means is that they're hoping that the top, that those 10 spots out of a thousand or 10 spots out of a million can be literally the very best in the whole world. And if we had only, say, 100 search words, then it would be really easy. You just hire somebody to sit behind a desk, and every day they look at different web pages, and they just rank them, and, and hopefully it's an impartial person, and they just sit there and they rank them. And they say, okay, well, this one's better, and this one's worse, and, and you have these human-ranked things. The problem is, you know, every day there's what? I don't know, the statistic is, you know, a million new web pages come up every day. Well, I mean, you, you'd need to hire, like, you know, 200,000 people to be able to keep up with all of the new pages and all the changes that occur on the others. And so by default, the search engines have to automate the entire process. There is automation. They're not able, I mean, the machine can't literally read our language. So what the, the original founders of Google did was they came up with a, a cool concept they called PageRank. And the, the concept behind this is that their belief was that if a page truly is better than another page, more people will link to that web page. So long story short, they devised an algorithm that's very similar to the algorithm just about any search engine uses these days, any reasonable size search engine. And basically what they said is the bulk of our concept is going to be the more people that link to your web page, this is so totally simplified because there's like a thousand different pieces of their algorithm, but up until very recently, a huge, huge portion of that formula was basically how many people are linking to the web page. And what happened as a result of that is the same thing that happens when you go out and you buy friends, you buy likes. And people said, okay, great. In order for me to build Beat My Competitor, you know, they have 25 people linking to their website. I need 50 people. So let me just call up all of my friends and have everybody link to it. So then the other competitor says, okay, well, they have 50 now, so I need more. I don't have more than 50 friends, so I'll pay some marketing company to, to, uh, to pay 200 people to be my friends. Well, you know, the game has gotten to the point where people will go out and buy 2 million friends to basically link to something particular in a search engine so that they can come up at a higher spot. Okay? And kind of, okay, so that right there is kind of the history of the, the beginning until very, very, very recently with the search engines. With, I mean, there's a lot of other pieces to the algorithm, but the bottom line is that up until very, very recently, it was possible to manipulate almost any search ranking simply by being able to get more links to it. Okay, now, when I started my business, kind of go back to the beginning of this interview, when I started my business a little over five years ago, I, I looked into what I just shared with you, and and I realized at that time, probably one of my core realizations in this business was, if, that, if, if all we're going to do is get more and more links, at some point, the search engines are going to put a stop to it. You know, I believed when I first started, I really believed that that would happen within six months. If I had believed at that time that it would have taken more than five years, I may have built my business differently and built it with a five-year window knowing that in five years I'd have to remake things. But at the time, I was thinking it would happen very, very shortly, and it would be the end of the world for search engine optimization or search engine marketing as we knew it. And so I, through the course of doing research, I factored in what the search engines actually want, which is quality content. 
and hence I began to write content um, in the form of articles. So an article being a short, say, three to five hundred word expose on you know whatever it was that I was uh, wanting to send people on my website at the time. Okay. Other people were also doing the same thing I was, whether they had the realization that I had or not, and I'm sure many other people had the same realization. Some people, instead of writing articles, they might have written blog posts. Some people write uh, you know, Facebook um, pages. Um, other people might write LinkedIn profiles, and there's many different types of things. You know, some people might write small books and put them online. Some people, you know, if, if we... If, if we're a little liberal here, some people will record videos and put them on YouTube, and it works almost exactly the same, except it's a spoken article instead of being a, um, a written article. So, you know, all of these different ways that we're able to create content and give the search engines what they want. Okay? And so what happened was initially when I started, when many other people began creating content, it was all nice and clean. People were creating genuine content. Then what happened, we called it article marketing. You know, if we were doing videos, you might call it YouTube marketing. If it's blog posting, you're writing blog posts and putting it on a blog post or a blog site, then you might say, okay, it's, uh, it's blog marketing or whatever the case is. I called what I did article marketing. What happened was over the course of, let's say, the next couple of years, people began to realize that if they combined the great content that the search engines were looking for with the links, which is a which naturally happens with no additional effort with article marketing, content marketing, blog marketing, et cetera, et cetera, that the search engine group would reward them with higher rankings. And, and that happened. Because that happened, people, other people began to develop software to mimic the writing of articles or to take, you know, you could write one article, the software could turn it into a thousand articles. So what happened was the internet began to become overrun with, just spam articles. And so what's happened recently, and this is probably the single biggest change in search engine marketing in 10 years. The single biggest change is that the search engines, uh, mainly Google, has, has found a way to program it in such a way that they are doing a phenomenal job of filtering out everything that people do to try to trick them into giving them higher rankings. And having said that, Three months from now, there'll be somebody that comes up with something that they can trick Google with. I can guarantee you that as soon as Google finds out, whether it's three days or 90 days, they'll find a way to block it. So the story remains the same as it did when, when I guessed five years ago that I wanted to do something that would be long-term rather than falling for when the search engines realized that the link formula was no longer working, that anything that someone does to try to artificially create that search engine organic traffic will fall apart. The question is not if it falls apart. The question is when. It will be three days, 30 days, 30 months. The, the, the question really is when. And okay. so now the next step is, so how do we do this in such a way? And I'll tell you, I've been a long way with this, John, but I, I really wanted to share the idea of why we don't want to do something quick. Because the last thing that I would want somebody to come away with, and, and, and I, I know this from experience, someone listens to what I'm going to share in the next, say, 10, 12 minutes on, on how to do it, and they come away, they come thinking, well, that's a, that sounds a little bit 
little bit hard, but it sounds like it's something I could do, so let me go do it. And then tomorrow they get an email that says, um, you know, you can have this in three days. You know, all you have to do is, you know, buy this three-click program, and, and you'll have these rankings in three days, and it won't take six months, or it won't take 30 days, or it won't take a year, you know, you know whatever the case is. And, and very quickly, people, it's so easy for people to say, okay, I'm going to switch off the path that I convinced myself yesterday is the right path, I'm going to go do it the quick and easy. And so I just want to make it so clear why we don't want to follow the quick and easy, why I don't follow the quick and easy, why you don't follow the quick and easy, why we really want to build something that, that is long run. Sure. Any, any questions or comments on that, John, before I kind of get into what to do? No, probably just uh, the, only, the only thing I want to throw out, just again, we're talking to different sort of levels of experience, and some folks listening to this do um, you have some experience with search engine optimization. I, you can you can comment. I'd be curious on what your thoughts are. I, I agree with everything you're saying a thousand percent. I just I still think search engine optimization is relevant. I still think that there are things that you can and should do to ultimately um, try and uh, boost the ranking of your site or maintain the ranking of your site. But I agree a hundred percent that if you don't have quality content, it doesn't matter. And if you do have quality content and you're not doing all of that stuff, you can still do really, really well. In fact, um, I've done very little SEO for my articles that I put out there and I've had plenty of them rank. And, and funny enough, the site of mine that has got the strongest and most steady ranking is Music Marketing Manifesto, which I have done some SEO work on, but I've done the least amount of SEO work on that. And it's simply that user engagement factor and the, the low bounce rate and the long user time that Google's looking at that is actually, uh, I I think led to that stable ranking and uh, it's just it's just funny but I don't want to necessarily give anyone the impression at least per my experience who who is interested in SEO that it's all you know rubbish I think there is value there but I I think content and value certainly trumps it I don't know what what your opinion is well here's my thought and and I'll share with you my thought and and my guess is I'll just share with you my thought, and we can hash it out a little bit if yeah. we kind of need to to make it clear. But my thought is that when we look at, you know, what are the let's, – let's think about what are the top five things that people do to – and you can help me with this. You know, if you can help me brainstorm, what are the top five things that you're thinking of in terms of being SEO? So if somebody were to do search engine optimization, what are the top five things someone might do? Well, you know, the obvious is just making sure you've got re relevant keywords in your um, title and body uh, and to a lesser extent the meta information. And then, of course, beyond that, it's just getting authority sites to link back to that content to give some some value. The more trusted the site, the, the better the value. And then, of course, there's also just general indexing and then social signatures like, you know, Facebook links and retweets and that kind of stuff. That would okay. be sort of the basic, so, the basics. Place those would be the basics. And, and it, would you agree that if somebody were to do just those five basics, plus they were to do the content we're getting ready to talk with, they'd probably be ahead of 99% of everybody out there? Absolutely. Okay. So what, the, what I'm just going to do is go through each one of these five, and we'll just kind of tick them off because I, I just have a different perspective on SEO sure. and you'll see sure. in just a second. And I, I think this will be enlightening for people that are listening to this that have been focusing on SEO. So the first thing you said was keywords. So my personal opinion is that keywords is a no-brainer. Every page on earth should have a few keywords. 
And if obviously we can put that under the umbrella of SEO, but to me, it's just, it's an absolute given. And it's something that once it's done, it takes five minutes to do. It's just there forever. Right. Okay. Same thing with meta tags. Okay. Now the indexing, if we do the content work, the indexing will occur on its own. In fact, Google prefers it if they find your web page through a trusted link rather than you announcing it to them. And I believe that's the case with most search engines. Sure. The social signatures will occur naturally if we do content marketing and we do it in such a way that we're incorporating the social websites and the inbound links will occur as well. Sure. So what, what happens with me, and I'll tell you, this is where I differed so much when I was teaching article marketing. And when people did just the article marketing, and they maybe added one element, and that was keywords on their site. Okay, right. They added keywords on their site. They didn't focus on anything else. Article marketing itself did everything else for them. It got them the links. It got them the indexing. It got them the social signature. It, it, it also, in fact, today we're staying with the search engines. The search engines are saying, okay, more and more, you know, we're wanting to see things like uh, traffic and social involvement, et cetera, et cetera. My personal belief is that if we simply focus on the content marketing, which we'll talk about in just a quick second, all of those things will occur naturally. Now, my point is that if we spend our time working on linking, if we spend our time working on the social signature, if we spend our time working on traffic, if we spend our time working on social involvement, so for example, just a kind of a rabbit trail here, you know, one of the big topics right now is, you know, the belief is, hey, you know, Google likes their, their own Google Plus service, and if you get lots of people to kind of plus your site, then you're going to move up in the search rankings. Whether that's true or not for today, it, it doesn't make any difference, in my opinion, for Google in the long run, three years from now, doesn't make any difference that they own their own service if they realize that 90% of their search rankings are frankly messed up because people are abusing their own service. I believe they'll treat their own service the same way that they treat somebody else's inbound links. Um, and, and so if we're talking about building for the long run, then once again, what we don't want to do is focus on these externals, things like the, the social signature, the indexing, the Google+, Facebook, the social involvement, the inbound links. If we focus on all of those, they, leave a, they actually leave a digital signature that shows that we're working on those things. Because the search engines don't want us working on those things, they are consistently over time making it making their algorithm work in such a way that when they see a pattern of us working on those things, they make it more difficult for those things to work. And so that kind of feeds into that whole process of we're always trying to, to catch up. Okay? Sure. Whereas if we simply give the search engines, namely Google, if we give them what they want and we don't worry about how, how it's there, they will, their formulas will realize we are giving them what they want sans any type of a digital footprint. And in the long run, we will rise in our rankings, which is probably something very similar to what your main website has done simply because of the fact that because you built it naturally in the long run, you've gotten more respect from the search engines. 
Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear what you're saying. And I, I think to a small extent, we're talking about slightly different strategies, whereas for the most part, where I focus on SEO are my sites where I've got less content and I'm trying to get more bang uh, out of that content. I, I have consistently seen things happen where I'll, I'll put out content. I recently ranked for a really big keyword uh, on my site. I just put out an article, had a ton of interaction with this this article, hundreds of comments, and with doing nothing else, it ranked really well in the search engines. I did, uh, you know, it was, uh, I can't remember where it was, but first page of Google, and but I wanted to improve it, so I built some some select links, and I did see a rise, and that rise has held, and I, I, I've been able to duplicate that a lot, so for me, that makes sense, and when we're building one big authority site, that is a slightly different strategy than content marketing, um, so I, I don't know, for me it's worked, but I hear what you're saying, and, I, and everything you're, you're saying sounds wise in terms of the long run, because without a doubt, Google is going more and more and more in that direction, um, but uh, so far, anyway, I haven't been willing to just, at least with my authority sites, just sort of let it ride uh, and and wait for that that ranking to come in. But with article marketing, I've done quite a lot of that, and and it's worked very well. If if that primary site does have the authority, but we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves because obviously you haven't explained how that part of uh, of article marketing and content marketing in general works yet. But but uh, but but uh, no, I think I think it's interesting and certainly valid, and it's working for you. So you can't argue with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it kind of all ties into the idea that that um, you know we want if we already have something that's working, we obviously will want to ride that out. But we we want our long term strategy to focus on the long term elements that we're going to be able to have. And again, this is where I kind of go against the grain. I mean, you know, a lot of people you know don't like my strategies for that reason because I'm literally building for ten, fifteen, twenty years from now, so that it's 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 kind of there and it's solid. So sure. you know. A little bit different, you know. A little bit difference there on the uh, on the strategy, you know. With how much time do we put, or how much money do we put into each one of these elements? But let's kind of jump over to actually how are we going to do this content marketing, and and this is going to be kind of a quick part of the lesson. And that is the reason for that is because and the reason I've done all the building up that I've done so far is to kind of say, okay, this, 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 this is the reasons why it's not incorporated. Because what happens a lot of time when I give what I'm getting ready to give next people will say, well, what about this? What about that? What about that? And we've kind of already kind of gone through all of those whatabouts. Sure. So the idea online with content building is what we want to do is we want, we want to create content, whether it's to write an article about a style of music or to have someone write an article about us or, you know, to write and, you know, to write a Facebook article, you know, about the cutting edge new song that somebody has coming out or to write a, uh, a blog post announcing something that's coming up, but in addition to just announcing that it's coming up, you know, maybe also giving a tip or two, you know, a, a, an interesting tidbit about the artist, you know, maybe some trivia about the artist, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so obviously if we're, we're kind of market, if we're a musician marketing our, our music, then, you know, if I were talking, you know, as opposed to talking with, say, an information marketer who might be teaching people, you know, how to, how to you know, train a pet animal, then all of those articles would be how to do this, this, and this. Well, a musician isn't going to write an article about, you know, how to play jazz music. The, the musician, you know, wants to create a bond with those people that might come listen to him. And so what the musician may choose to do is have some articles that, you know, spend 50% of their time kind of announcing the music, what are we going to do different at this concert. But maybe part of that 
that could be some type of trivia about the kind of music or some kind of trivia about the origination of a, a particular song that they, that they sing or a trivia about themselves or, you know, useful information that allows people to be able to begin to bond with them. And they're able to create this material, either write, writing a, a small article, by writing a blog post, by writing a Facebook post, by um, recording something. They could record a two-minute little video on YouTube that creates a connection point, et cetera, et cetera. And so then what we're going to do with, with this, when we create this content, we're going to put it online. So if we write an article, we're going to put it online at, say, an article directory, hopefully one that's geared towards announcing music. You know, we're going to submit it to a, a blogging site that perhaps is in our music genre. Okay? Maybe we're going to submit that content to a local music venue announcement site. Um, we might put that, in, if we did a little YouTube, we might obviously we submit it. If we did a little video, we could submit it to YouTube. We do something on Facebook, then we're going to be able to have some kind of connection that occurs there. Then what we want to do is we want to kind of step this up to the next level. And we want to, we want to create a natural linking between these pieces. Okay? So instead of going outside and saying, hey, how many inbound links or how many links can we, how many other websites can we have looking at this content, we're literally going to build out, dare I use the word, our own network. So when we write an article, in that article, we're going to link to a blog that we wrote. In the blog that we wrote, we're going to link to a Facebook post. In the Facebook post, we're going to link to our YouTube. In the YouTube, we're going to link somewhere else. What this allows us to do is gain is gain as we before I say tell you you know explain to everybody you know what this allows us to do is to kind of backtrack and say if we take those people who already know us so they come to our concerts you know we have them sign up for an announcement list so we can see where the venues are if we allow them to kind of get into this circle of content so they they read one of our announcements on Facebook that leads them to an article that we've written, that article kind of leads to a blog post. What's going to naturally happen is almost all the points that we've ticked off earlier are going to happen. The social signature is going to occur. We're going to see the traffic print that's going to happen. People are going to friend us and like us and uh, Google plus us, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to see all of those signatures occur, but they're going to be, at, at, they're going to be occurring in a 100% natural way. Now, if we were to go back and say, you know, hey, and this is going to, you know, kind of go back to what you were just talking about, about, hey, some SEO still works in today's market. Absolutely. And because we've built, because we have built our network of content outside the confines of SEO, it is something that will be evergreen and will last probably for years and years and years, as long as the Internet is around as we know it. We can then layer on top of that, the SEO is specifically the inbound linking. So we can have natural inbound linking simply by asking other websites that if they like our content to link back to us. And I mean, obviously we can make that as aggressive as we want, okay, at least for the time being in the current search engine environment so that we're able to boost what we're doing. The key, that I, the key thing that I want to leave people with is that driving traffic naturally and organically if people will simply give it 90 days and spend, you know, for 90 days, spend an hour or two a day maybe writing an article or two, recording a YouTube video or two, 
and then do everything we can. Let's say it takes us half an hour to write an article or do a two-minute YouTube video. Let's take the next hour of our day and just spend that full hour doing whatever we can to get that content noticed in the world. So whether that's sending an email to all of our friends, whether that's sending an email to the people that are already our subscribers, whether that is posting it again on Facebook, whether that is posting it to a music blog, blogging site, whether that is asking someone we know that has a blog to, to link back to whatever the content is that we created, created. I believe that in almost every instance, if people will take the time that 90 days, an hour, hour and a half a day, they will be absolutely amazed at the increase in traffic they're going to be receiving. And then obviously from there, I mean, it's up to them to, you know, convert them to subscribers and get them to their venues, et cetera, et cetera. How's that sound, John? That makes perfect sense. And one of the things I really liked and always liked about what you taught and what you did and your strategy is that it was just so simple and straightforward because there, as anyone who's ever dived into the whole game of internet marketing has learned it is just a mess out there <laughs> you know the 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 and, and I'm not necessarily knocking all of them because it's not necessarily that intentions are are bad or anything but the reality of selling is that most people are coming up with a you know sort of a a strategy simply that they can sell. They're coming up with a problem that people are having and they're finding a solution for it and then they're marketing it. And that's creating a lot of noise and pretty much every sort of, or, well, you're an exception to this, but pretty much every guru out there has got a new strategy every week and they're telling you that the sky is falling if you don't use this. And um, while they may genuinely believe this is good for you, the, the real motivation is to get you to take action, is to get you to buy. And that causes a, an immense amount of confusion. And I went through it. I, I don't know. I'm guessing you probably did. I, I'm yet to meet anyone who hasn't gone through it because you, the more you get into it, the more you realize there's more and more and more stuff out there. And I spent a good year just chasing one strategy after another. Oh, no, what I've been doing isn't the right way to go. I need to listen to this guy and do what he says. But at the end of the day, uh, the, the at least for me, and I, I guess this is – Probably, I would guess this is probably true of pretty much everyone who's ever succeeded online, is the more I've succeeded, the less my internet businesses look like an internet business or the word internet marketing has has meant anything at all, and the more it's just looked like a real business. And that has always just meant create value uh, and uh, drive some traffic and treat people well. And you, your system is from, you know, correct me where I might be forgetting something, but from when I first came across what you did, it was just write content, crank it out, and do it somewhat systematically. And you work really, really hard. Most most of these guys are selling courses that tell you you can work, you know, four hours a week or make a million dollars in your underwear while you sleep. And you were quite different than that. And you, you didn't you didn't hide the fact that you work quite a lot of hours. And you know, twenty five thousand articles. I know you you've got a team of people doing them with you, but uh, you know that doesn't happen by putting in no effort. And what you're talking about is an effort based strategy, but it's a simple one. And it's, it's create value, get it out into the world, move on and create more value. And you're absolutely right that you cannot fail by doing this. You will, if you, if you just do a little bit of keyword research so you know what 
people in your market. And again, we're talking about music, so this this would mean uh, figuring out what your potential fans need, want, fear, feel. You know what where what that conversation is that is taking place in your demographics mind, and get out there and create content, keyword targeted content specifically for those people, and then try and make uh you know try and get that content out into the world. You you really cannot fail. And you know why don't you talk just kind of quickly about that the the, the reality of driving the kind of traffic that's going to sustain a business. I mean, uh, what kind of work is someone going to have to do? Because I know that's the that's the four letter word for most musicians is, is work. Well, I tell you, this is the hardest question to answer, and that is because it's going to be different for every person. So, I mean, we could take you know a. a you know, a country music, a country singer down in, uh, a country musician in Texas, and we could take, you know, a uh, jazz musician in Mississippi, and, you know, we could take somebody in Vermont, and, um, you know, it, it's going to take something different sure. for each one of them. And, and a lot of that is going to have to do with the connection that they're able to create. And, and, and just as humans, we all create at a different level. I mean, you know, some of us, you know, if we go to a party, you know, and, and I'm not in this category, you know, they go to a party and there's 50 people there. And, you know, after a couple hours, you've talked to every 50 people, you know, all their names, you know, all about their kids and, you know, or you're like me and, you know, you go to a party and uh, you find one interesting person to talk with and you spend the entire two hours talking with that one person. And, and you probably haven't found anything out about the person. You just had something in common and you talked about that topic. And, and so online, the same thing happens, but it's not so much introvert, extrovert. It's, it, there's a connection level that happens. And, and um, it, it, it's, um, it, it, in a lot of ways, it's an intangible. I mean, I'm sure there's some people out there that could, that could teach, you know, hey, how can you connect better in your, you know, the words that you use? Um, and if we had five more hours, we could probably dig sure. into that and, and, and come up with it. But, you know, wh- here's what I like to recommend to my clients. Instead of giving people any kind of an hour not number, okay, mm-hmm. I like to say do this. For 90 days, work for one and a half hours on your traffic, okay? And, and it doesn't mean work one and a half hours total and you end up spending an hour of that reading your emails right. or buying program. Or, I mean, that's literally, you set the clock for 90 minutes, for 90 days, and for 90 minutes every day, for 90 days, all you do is do the things I just shared. And, and, and even if it wasn't the things that I just shared, let's say you went out and you said, you know what, I don't buy into anything that Sean just shared. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to learn how to do, you know, some kind of traffic. I don't know, I mean, Twitter traffic, whatever, okay? I would, I would even tell that person, I would say, look, for 90 minutes a day, for 90 days, Follow the Twitter package that you bought word for word exactly the way that they tell you to do it. Do it for 90 days, literally keeping a journal of what you did for 90 minutes every day. And at the end of every day, write down how many visitors that you had. And at the end of the 90 days, you're able to look back. You're able to, number two things. Number one, you're able to evaluate, did the strategy work or not? The biggest mistake that people make with traffic, they try my strategy, they try your strategy, they try somebody else's strategy for 10 days. And nothing really happens in 10 days. Unless you're buying. Okay, I mean, if you throw $10,000 at a traffic source, yeah, you'll get traffic in 10 days. You probably won't have enough buyers to evaluate it yet, but but that's a different ballgame. But anything that takes work, 
you're not going to get the results in 10 days. Most people give up on traffic far too soon. If you've spent 90 days, the first thing you can do is you can look back and you say, you can say, did Sean's method improve things? I was getting 10 visitors a day before. I did Sean's method 90 minutes a day for 90 days. Now I have 100 a day. Can I attribute most of that to Sean? Yes. Okay, great. So we improved traffic by 90 visitors a day. Then we look at it. And we do the same thing with Twitter. We can do the same thing with anything else. Then the next step will be to step back and say, okay, assuming that we like the increase, then we ask ourselves, okay, we had this type of an increase. It took us 90 minutes a day. If we were to continue doing it based on kind of our curve here, you know, have we totally flattened out at the end? You know, do we get most of our gains in 30 days and then it stayed flat? Or are we still growing? Can we estimate what would happen if we continued to spend 90 minutes for the next 90 days? And, and you know, it's not all science, but if we can extrapolate that out into the future, we're going to be able to then say, okay, if I'm going to get as much traffic, as much business, as many people into my venues as I want, based on what's going on here, I'm going to need to do this for another 90 days, but instead of an hour and a half, I'm going to need to spend two hours. Or maybe we look at it and we go, wow, my, my last time that I performed – we had five times as many people as I expected. It, we had standing room only. We had to send a few people home. You know what? Maybe instead of spending 90 minutes a day, I need to cut this back to 60 minutes. You know, so I, I really like to tell people, go out there 90 minutes a day for 90 days and then evaluate. Then you'll know what your numbers are because they're different for every person. Sure, that's, that's really good advice. But I do think the systematic approach is essential because you're absolutely right. I, when I get letters from folks saying this, something's not working, it's almost always the exact same letter. And it's, well, I, I don't know. I put up the squeeze page and I'm not getting any subscribers. I got two. Well, uh, okay, well, how many unique visitors have you got? Twelve. You know what I mean? Like, God, dude, you got to work a little harder than that. You're not going to get anywhere uh, with, with, with 12 visitors. Um, and I think you're absolutely right that, that when you do something religiously every single day for a period of time, you're going to see that trend. And it's going to be easy to look at the math and go, wow, if I just uh, ex- expand this a, a little bit or do it a little bit longer, I'm going to finally reach my goals. And I think the opportunity for musicians in that artistic fulfillment is, is truly the goal more so than than money although of course we'd all like to be making a living at this i think what at least speaking for myself and i think this is true most musicians what we're really really looking for at the end of the day is just a reason to keep doing this we make music because we have the calling and um because it's you know there's some part of our soul that is fulfilled by doing this and we just want a reason to keep doing it we want that pipeline we want that audience that's that's waving their hands saying yes i want more of what you have to offer and if you're driving traffic consistently and that number that that amount of traffic is either maintaining or increasing you're going to have a, a uh, maintaining or increasing number of fans. You're going to have that fan base and it is uh, going to grow and you're going to uh, be able to have that pipeline. And whether 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 it takes you 10 years to build a list of 10,000 fans or you do that in six months, I mean, it's it's both scenarios are rewarding, but it does take that systematic approach to get there. Um, before we, you know, kind of sign off, because I know we've been running here for a while, can you just, because we've kind of breezed past some of these sites because we're familiar with them, but not everyone listening is, can you give someone sort of a, if someone's going, okay, I like what you're saying, makes sense, I can write content, where do I go? Can you just give people one example of one place they can go, create an account, and start publishing content for free today? 
Yes, I could. I'm going to hesitate. I, I will give some sites, but I'm going to hesitate on two counts. Okay. And I'll share the hesitations, and then I'll just kind of let it rip. Sure. The first hesitation is that obviously right now, today, as we record this, you know, there's maybe top 10 or 15 places to, to, to submit. Um, and but that'll be different in six months. Sure. And so we, 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 I think that everything that we've shared so far – on this is evergreen probably up until another 10 years you know there'll be a little bit of change in what we've talked about obviously the time frames will be different but you know i i'm always want to be really 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 careful when i start recommending specific sites um the second thing to say is that those sites really should be different per each person and, and here's why this is something I've done with my clients over the last nine to 12 months. You know, I used to give people like a, a list of say 20 places where they could submit. And what would happen is I'd have hundreds of people going and submitting to those 10 or 15 places. And uh, believe it or not, the search engines are able to kind of smell out that signature that all these articles are happening in these same 10 or 12 different places. And you begin to see effectiveness go down. And, sure. and so what I'm finding is stronger for everybody involved is to say, look, um, without sounding too crude here, go out and find your own places. Sure. And so w w here's what I recommend that people do, okay? And, and what I recommend that people do is that they go online and let's just use Google as an example. Google all of the terms that they want to show up for. So, so if you're a jazz musician, you might want to show up for jazz music and, you know, jazz venues and, and jazz history, et cetera, et cetera. So if you go to Google and Google jazz history, and if let's just say we go past the first page, we go past the top 10 rankings, we go to the top 30. What do we know about the top 30? Well, Right now, Google feels like they're the best in the business, okay? And the reason I'm not saying the top 10 is because a lot of times the top 30 switch places. So sometimes number 30 will be number three, number three will be number eight, et cetera, et cetera. So we're wanting to have something that's long-term. Okay, now, if we were to look at this 10 years from now, we might find that it's a totally different 30. If we were to look at it six months from now, we might find that it's 25 of the same five is different. What I recommend that people do if they, they Google their search term, say they have 25 different terms that people might use, find the 30 top sites and find ways to get on those sites. And here's what happens is if, if, if you were to spend the time in the search engine and in each one of those websites, you go to the first website, spend some time on it. When was the last post? Oh, it was four months ago. Okay, well, what does that tell you? It tells you that, that Google really likes that site even though they don't post regularly. Okay, so what do we know about sites that, that want to stay high in Google? They need to post regularly. So what's wrong with this site? Something's wrong. Either the owner has gotten sick and can't write anymore, or the owner's not making money and he's fired all his writers, or something else. Something has happened to make the fact occur that there's no articles. And so if you simply find the owner of that website and say, hey, look, I noticed that you guys aren't submitting articles anymore recently. You know, if it's because you need a writer, you know, I, I'd be willing to write your post for you, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do a few test ones, et cetera, et cetera. That right there is a highly effective strategy for getting onto unique websites that already have the traffic because they're already in Google. They're already number one, number two, number eight, number 12 in Google. You don't have to do any work to get there. All you have to 
to do is write the content. Now, you know, what are some people going to say? Well, no, I don't want your content. No, I don't like your style. You know, you know what? File it away as a no. You know, just like if you bought two different kinds of cereals to eat, you liked one, you didn't like the other. It wasn't anything personal about the cartoon on the front of the box. You just didn't like the taste. It's okay. They don't like the taste of your article. No big deal. You write for somebody else. And I'll tell you, if any musician that hears the sound of my voice, any person that has a business online that's hearing the sound of my voice right now, were to say, were to just find 10 websites that are already in the top 10 or top 20 or top 30 in Google, find 10 websites to write for regularly, whether that's once a week or once a day or whatever the case is, and then they would just tell everybody they know to, to, you know, to, to bookmark those places and go back to them from time to time. In 90 days, that person with just 10 of those websites probably have more traffic than they could get in any other way without spending a lot of money. Okay? That's the first place that I'd start. It's the hardest way, but it's the one that's going to be rock solid for the longest period of time. Okay? Then the next thing that I would suggest if people are looking for you know, some other quick places that they can go, one would be easy in articles. Another would be Squidoo, S-Q-U-I-D-O-O, Squidoo.com. I love Facebook for this type of thing. Okay? I don't, I, I, so Facebook, um, depending on you know, maybe LinkedIn, I, I usually recommend that to other clients. I don't know how that works for musicians, but maybe you know more about that than I do. I haven't, um, I haven't used LinkedIn too much myself, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I do. Yeah. See, I do see people using it, and I, I hear some success stories. So, certainly. Yeah. So I would say that that, but even though I just gave a few places, the biggest thing that I would do: every person should be finding their own blogs to write for and become a guest blogger for. Then once they're a blogger or during the time they're becoming a blogger for 10 other websites, then they can create their own blog and work on getting, you know, that to have some traction, et cetera, et cetera. And we don't have the time to get into all the technique on doing sure. that. Um, but, but I'll tell you, John, that sounds like a lot of work, and it really is the first few weeks while you're finding the 10 sites to write for. But really, once you find them, we're not talking about random sites. We're talking about sites that are already top 10, top 20, top 30 in Google, you know, Preferably top 10. I mean, if you can find 10 websites that are already top 10, hey, write for those. You don't even need to go down to top 20 or top 30. Sure. That makes perfect sense. That's a really good strategy, and you're right. And it's not really that much work because in that first hour and a half long period, if someone was to follow that 90-day strategy you recommended, they could go and email a good 100, well, maybe not 100, but you know, 50, 50 different sites. I mean, you write one form letter and edit it ever so slightly to make it personal, which, by the way, is a, a good idea if anyone goes and tries this, reference the person's blog so that they know you're not a robot and that you have actually are familiar with what they're doing. But you know, some kind of a template email, it's really not hard to tweak that email and send it out to 50 different sites. And funny enough, not for the same reasons, but because I'm looking to expand um, Music Marketing Manifesto into some other areas, primarily um, music instruction. Right now, I, I just deal with marketing. Marketing, but I, I thought it would make sense to have a music instruction category at least on the site um, because I, I am doing so well in the search engines. I thought that'd be a great way to pull in more musicians. Um, I did exactly that yesterday, just 
wrote an email and reached out to a few people and it well I suppose it was reverse I I was asking them for content for my site but uh I just sent out 10 emails in 20 minutes and have already received four responses so it's it's not too hard if you have a decent value proposition which you do if you're offering free content to get the attention of of, of folks I've had quite a few guest bloggers on my site so definitely works um it's just uh you know uh, about being authentic, being real with people, and offering actually good content. I, that's the only thing I'd say is don't write some crap article and turn it in because I think a lot of people try to bang these things out, but offer real value, and, and that in itself isn't very hard to do if you know your topic and, and you will get takers. Um, I've, I've, I've actually got a couple people waiting on me. like they, they get back in touch with me regularly saying, hey, can we get a, another guest blog post because I, I can't crank them out fast enough. So it definitely works. I, I, I like that strategy, and, and I don't think it would be too much work to pull that off. And certainly 90 days down the line, you you absolutely would see results. So, so that's that's good stuff. Um, this has all been really good. Uh, I, I, I love everything you've had to say. And, you know, as I've said, I really admire what you do quite a lot. It's helped me out a lot in my online career and uh, it's led to a lot of success. So um, I appreciate you being here. How can folks uh, find out more about you if they, if they you know, like what you have to say? I, I know you've put out a book lately. Why don't you tell folks a little more, more about what you're doing and, and how folks can connect with you? Well, excellent. Um, well, I mean, I just, honestly, what I teach is what I just shared here. And, um, you know, this is, well, maybe a half percent of everything that I teach in, you know, over the course of some of my programs. Um, I have written a book recently about how to uh, start a coaching business. And uh, if anybody's interested, they can uh, buy that at Amazon and it's called anyone can coach. And uh, again, they can buy that at Amazon. Um, a great way to find me is to Google me. So if you just kind of Google me, Sean, S-E-A-N, Mize, M-I-Z-E, you can uh, probably seven or eight out of the ten spots on the top page for my name are me. There's a couple other people that have the same name, but as soon as you click on their website, you'll realize they're not me if you're uh, even marginally savvy. Okay? Gotcha. Gotcha. So, uh, I tell you, I hate to uh, recommend a specific URL because I have a bunch of them. And um, those change from time to time, you know, where the quality content is. But I try to do a good job of keeping Google up to date with, you know, where people can get the best information. So, you know, people will go there. Even one other place would be easingarticles.com. Go to their search function and uh, just type in my name. And and once again, you'll be able to kind of see one of those 25,000 articles. Cool. Well, I'll find a link as well. If you're listening to this on the blog, I'll uh, I'll find a link and, and put it there for folks to take one step out of it for them. But, but I, I hear what you're saying because you're right. You do have quite a few different sort of messages and, and funnels, and that's going to be different for each person in terms of what they might be interested in. You teach a lot of different nuances to, to this business. So... So do that. Check out Sean. Um, again, this has been really awesome. It's you know that's been probably one of the biggest joys for me with Music Marketing Manifesto recently is getting to connect with uh, a couple of the folks that I admire a lot and that have taught taught me this stuff and, and contributed to my success. So it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the call. Uh, once again, if anyone has any questions for Sean, you can you can find him via the link that I'll provide uh, after we finish this up on the site or just Google him, Google Sean Mize. Um, thanks a lot, Sean. I, I really appreciate it. Well, John, thank you very much. It was a pleasure being here. It's fun. It's always so much fun to, to kind of talk about these principles. So thanks for having me. 
Absolutely. Well, you you take care and uh, ha- have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Sounds good. You too. All right. Once again, that was Sean Mize talking about how you can build long-term search engine traffic to promote your music online. Sean really is just one of a handful of people that I learned a lot from on my way up as a marketer. So it was a real pleasure having him on. Uh, Hopefully some of you listening are able to apply some of these techniques in promoting your own music. And when you do, certainly let me know about what kind of results you get. If you have a success story that you'd like to share with our listeners, or if you have a question about music marketing or the music business in general, please call one 800 296 1406. That's 1 800 296 1406. And we'll include your question in an upcoming show. And once more, you've been listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast, where we discuss advanced tactics and tips for actually selling your music. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies like those discussed today, please go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Thanks again to Sean Mai for joining us today and thank you for listening. Take care and I'll catch you at musicmarketingmanifesto.com. Thanks.